Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Well, my friends, in the hope of adding some true beauty to the world, I have a new book. It's called The Other Side of Beauty, and it is now out for purchase. No more pre-ordering. It's available for purchase now, and you can get it anywhere books are sold. And yes, that does include Amazon and my website, leadair.com. In this book, I confront the world's limited view of beauty and its negative impact on us women with a lot of research and statistics there for you. And then I give the you know alternative. I give the other side of beauty which is really about holiness and wholeness. And ultimately, it's the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So when when we desire this, when we desire the other side of beauty, when we desire Christ, we really can become and share true and lasting beauty. So I wrote this book. You can grab it, like I said, on anywhere good books are sold or Amazon, Leodero, all those things above. And you can join in and take part into the other side of beauty challenge there. Now, this podcast, the Do Something Beautiful podcast, is a now proudly sponsored by Haiti 180. Haiti 180 is a nonprofit organization that impacts the whole community with the joy of Christ in Haiti by providing homes, education, healthcare, and a life-changing experience through mission trips that Haiti 180 offers. So Haiti 180, you probably have heard me talk about them before. I have a couple podcasts available back in the archives that I interviewed Sean Forrest, who's the founder of Haiti 180. But Haiti 180 has built an orphanage that houses now 40 children. It has multiple elderly homes for those who have no one else to care for them. They have built a school that now provides education for over 200 children in Haiti. And they now have a medical clinic that they're in process of finishing up. That might sound familiar to you because many of you listeners of this podcast, you are so amazing. You you generously donated your money and we raised over $26,000 for the maternity wing of that medical clinic that is now breaking the ground and being built as we speak. Praise be to God. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we're really excited here at the podcast here to have our first sponsor as Haiti 180 because I can't think of anybody better. It's just wonderful. I'm super happy about it. And of course, I vet everybody who you know wants to possibly offer to sponsor the podcast. And this is definitely one I stand behind 100%. I have been there myself. I have seen it with my own eyes. I have been there with Sean Forrest, the founder of Haiti 180, and I am amazed at everything God is doing in him and in the people of Haiti. It's just a fantastic organization. I fully back this completely. And if you're wanting to know how you can become more involved or ways that you can just add more beauty to your life, right? I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast. It could not be easier to answer the call to help the poor of Haiti than becoming a Team 180 member. And that's very, very simple. A Team 180 member is someone who chooses to give monthly on a recurring basis to help Haiti 180 help the people of Haiti. So 100% of all the funds go to helping the poor and keep and keeping this amazing organization up and running. Very easy to do. All you got to do is go to Haiti180.com, click donate. That's it. You set up your recurring payment. You can even do it through PayPal. Very easy. I myself am a Team 180 member. So I give monthly to this organization and I encourage you to do the same. It's such a beautiful an easy way to do something beautiful for God. In today's podcast, we are talking to Avera Santo. 
Avera has a pretty large following on what they say, Catholic Twitter. I guess, I guess that's a thing now. Anyways, so I'll add all of those links in the show notes. I'm interviewing Avera today because she's been pretty bold on the topic and on the issue of same-sex attraction, which I think is very difficult and misunderstood topic that is trying to be addressed in the world on a variety of different issues. Her big tagline is, don't call me gay, call me Catholic. And so I have been looking at some of the things that she's been posting and seeing her boldness and being honest about the cross that she carries and and having SSA and also how she incorporates her faith in that. So we're going to talk a lot about this topic, this very sensitive topic that we're hoping to open up the dialogue more to so that we can understand more about it. Also more understand what the church says and the call for all of us to respond to what the church is calling us to in terms of reaching out to our neighbors, to love them, to encourage them to live out the gospel and to live out the faith, regardless of whatever cross we have to carry. I really enjoyed this conversation with Avera. I really appreciate her honesty in sharing her life and in sharing this cross with us. And so we're going to talk a lot about it. Avera has her own blog. It's called Inside My Holy of Holies. I'll include that link in the show notes. You can read her blog posts that she has there, some of which have become pretty popular, one of which pretty much went viral when she responded to Father James Martin's new book, Building Bridges. So Building Bridge. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And really what she wrote when she addressed Father James Martin and her opinion on it. It was very controversial. There was a lot of comments a lot of support, and then some people who did not give support. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why she wrote it and her stance on that topic. She is a 21-year-old college gal. She's very happy. She's very joyful. It was an honor to talk to her today. So without further ado, here is Miss Avera. All right, and welcome back to the podcast. And welcome for the first time, our guest, Avera. Avera, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really well. Excited to have you on here. Excited to talk about this topic, which, you know, we were talking prior to us starting the conversation about how it's going to be quick and easy. It's going to be smooth. We have our outline going. However, the topic of same sex attraction is not easy. And it's, you know, it's been deemed one of the hot topics now. And it's a very misunderstood topic, I think, a lot of times. And it's a topic that a lot of people want to shy away from because I think we're just not quite sure what to say, how to approach it. And I know that's something that you have been very bold in doing so, especially on social media. I found about you first on Twitter and was really kind of inspired by the things that you would tweet and you would post. And I really enjoyed it. I went to your website and I'm going to include all of these things in the show notes so people don't worry. You'll be able to connect with Avera. You'll be able to go to her website and get all the information and read some of the things that she has been writing lately. But on your website, Avera, I was on there. And I was watching the video that you made and you entitled it To the Sacred Heart. And there was a few lines in there that really caught me. And you you had said in that video that we can't dumb down God to something he's not and to let God be who he is. And I thought that was, I mean, no matter what we're at, no matter what we're dealing with in life, what excellent, excellent advice to remember. On your website, you have on here a beautiful quote that that you that you have said, I've seen you tweet this, I've seen it on your website, and you say that the cross of SSA, the cross of same-sex attraction, is by far the heaviest cross I carry. It is also by far the most beautiful one. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's different and it's something that I think a lot of people don't really want to talk about. And like you said, it is something that people will shy away from. But I think that the way that I've learned to relate to other people, the way that I have learned to love other people and to love Christ, you know, it's different because I do struggle with this and I do live with this. So I think just the way that I relate to the world and the, and the way that I relate to God is so different. And it is absolutely a burden to carry. And I'm not about to sit here and deny that. It is extremely difficult, but, you know, it makes it so worth it. I think the heavier the cross, the more beautiful the journey. And, you know, that's just how I've been able to relate to God and how I've been able to learn to love him. And, you know, it is extremely beautiful just because of my relationship with Christ. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Amen. Okay. So let's just do a quick little introduction. You are 21 years old, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. You are from and live in the beautiful Mobile, Alabama. Yes. The birthplace of Mardi Gras. Don't let anybody from New Orleans tell you that Mardi Gras started in New Orleans. We get very upset by that. We do not like that. I can so. tell. I can tell the passion in you is, is something that I am not going to refute. I don't even know if you're right or not. I'm not even going to Google it because I'm just going to take your word for it. I'm sure you are, though. All right. Yeah. So, so you're 21 years old. Are you in college still? I am. I am studying app development at a community college here in Mobile. Okay, excellent. And so this work that you've been doing, you have your own website, this mission that you're on. Tell me about that. Like, what is your mission? So my blog inside my Holy of Holies started back in May of this year. And I originally started the blog because we were starting a chapter of Courage in my archdiocese that is still going on and that I'm super, super thankful for. And if you don't know, Courage is an apostolate. It's like a support group for Catholics that live with same-sex attraction. And we were getting a chapter in Mobile and I was super, super excited about it. And I was asked to kind of help form it. So I decided that I was just going to keep this little blog and upload on it once or twice a week just so people can like read my thoughts and things like that in between meetings. So we weren't just leaving people high and dry in between the times that we met. And I ended up putting the blog in my Twitter bio. And I remember looking at my statistics one day and realizing that there were a lot of people from a lot of different places reading my reading what I was writing. And I was just kind of caught off guard that people were actually very interested in what I had to say. And you know, seven months down the road, I'm up to around 15,000 total views, which is absolutely mind boggling. You know, I I'm kind of still processing that. But my whole mission and the whole reason that I decided to keep up the blog and start, you know, inviting more people to check it out is because, you know, same sex attraction is something that not a lot of people want to talk about. But I think it is absolutely something that we need to start discussing especially for people that do live with SSA and are not quite sure what to do. And my whole premise, the whole reason why I do this is because I wanted to be the person that I needed in high school when I was struggling and, you know, no one would talk about it. And I just didn't know where to go. And I knew what the Catholic Church taught and I knew, you know, the teachings and everything, but it's so different to encounter it on a personal level, to actually have that conversation with another human being and to be encouraged. 
to live a life of chastity and to, you know, overcome these certain obstacles that are going to come with living with same sex attraction. So I wanted to, you know, be sure that I was encouraging people and that I was as open as I possibly can be, because I know that there is some kid, 16 year old kid in high school living with SSA that is absolutely clueless of what to do, just like I was. And I want to make sure that his or her experience is different than mine. Yeah. Uh, and I want to be that speaker that I needed when I was a kid. So Everett, let's go back there. Let's actually, let's, let's just kind of go back to the beginning here. You've written about this on your blog. Once again, I'll put, I'll put the links to Avera's blog in the show notes. But you mentioned like when you were 16, when a lot of things mm-hmm. kind of hit the fan and a lot of things were going on that kind of got brought you to a place where you had a lot of questions and you didn't know where to, what to do, which is kind of what you're doing now. Your mission is to, to help that 16-year-old kid, the person that you, you used to be who had all those questions. So can you kind of take us back to the beginning and kind of like, when did this all come to light for you with SSA? So I've known that the way that I felt about women was different from a fairly young age. I want to say around the ages of 11 or 12 years old, I knew that something was different. But the time that I was 16, turning 17, I was a junior in high school. And that's when those attractions started becoming sexualized. And that kind of drove me absolutely crazy. And I didn't know what to do. And I kept trying to suppress these feelings because at this time, you know, I was, I went to Catholic high school and I was kind of known around school as the Jesus freak. You know, I was the one who went to campus ministry. I was the one that got excited when we had school mass. You know, I was the one that was trying to go to mass before school and was always hanging out in the campus ministry office. So that's what I was known for. But, you know, at the same time, I'm hiding this secret. You know, I am hiding the fact that I'm, was attracted to my best friend at the time. And I wasn't really sure how to deal with that. I wasn't sure how to cope with that. And, you know, rumors started flying around that my best friend and I were an item. And, you know, I was freaking out. And at the same time, you know, a lot of people were talking and saying, oh, she's way too Catholic to be gay. You know, like, oh, she's she's so religious, you know, like she would never be gay. And then I would hear just all this talk, questioning my sexuality and things behind my back. And I, you know, I had so many questions, you know, I didn't know what to do. And again, it was such a taboo topic. It was something that no one really wanted to discuss. And I feel like even my teachers at my Catholic high school, I feel like that it was something that they wanted to discuss at their, you know, in their classes. But you had the kids who were out and who were actively living the LGBTQ lifestyle, but you also had the kids who were extremely homophobic. You know, so you had all these things going around. You had all these voices battling each other out. And I'm sitting here in the middle, so, you know, depressed and confused. And I just, I had no clue what to do. And, you know, I ended up going to a public university for college and, you know, in that environment, there's so many different opposing voices coming at me. And, you know, I wanted to live the lifestyle because I felt like, you know, this is who I was, you know, and I'm sitting here denying myself of what I am as a person, which I later found out was absolutely false. So you just, I had all of these voices, you know, trying to tell me different things. And, you know, as soon as I figured out the truth and I learned the truth and I accepted it, is when I wanted to share that with other people, which is why I began the blog back in May. 
and, you know, just talking about different topics and everything like that with all relative to SSA and Catholicism is, you know, kind of what I want to dedicate even the rest of my life to doing because, you know, it's something that we need to talk about. And I feel like if someone just starts the conversation, you know, if someone just poses the question or says, here I am, let's talk about this, then people will be a lot more open to discussing it. And also maybe be more open to see my position and see what I have to say and try and form their opinions after they hear right. you know, what I have to say about it. So was there anybody in your life when you were 16 that tried to, uh, you know, confront or reach out to like the fear that I can imagine you had to experience, um, especially in high school at that time? I mean, what, what about your parents? I mean, was there any voices or what was that relationship like with your parents during this entire time? Did they know? Did they not know? I mean, what happened with that? So the one person that I was able to go to in high school is my spiritual director, who is still very active in my life and actually helps champion courage in the Archdiocese of Mobile now. And he's an absolute phenomenal man. And, you know, he spoke to me and he reached out to me in that way. And he's been with me on this journey. And he actually, you know, wanted to start courage because he saw how much I was suffering. And he saw how much I needed that community. And I needed people to listen. And I needed to talk about these things. And I needed to be guided spiritually so that I could stay on the right track. And, you know, he, I told him once in confession and the one thing that he says to me all the time, and I just, I love hearing it. I tell him this all the time. He says, you are so good. And he says that all the time to me. He, he just makes sure that I hear you are so good. You are so good. And I think that that was one of the misconceptions I had was, you know, I thought having same sex attractions at all was bad, you know, and even though the Catholic church said one thing, you know, it felt miserable because no one was saying anything about it. So I felt like it was like one of those untouchable things that the Catholic Church says, but you know, like, hey, people want to stray away from it. So let's just not talk about it. Maybe it will go away or maybe people will stop asking or stop talking about it. But even like with my parents, my parents had no clue for the longest time. I came out to my parents two months ago. So if that gives you any indication wow. of how hard Two months ago. it was. For so you came out to your parents and you talked to your parents about your same sex attraction two months ago. Now that was definitely, so like just a couple months ago, it's like, that was what, August or July? Around that time. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So late summer, 2017. Prior to that, you had already started a blog. Did they, I guess, not read the blog? My blog was anonymous at the time. So not a lot of people knew that it was me writing it. And my online presence had grown really on Twitter. So that's where I was sharing a lot of my ideas. But I had never said anything on Facebook because my dad was friends with me on Facebook. And the majority of my family was friends with me on Facebook. <laughs> so, you know, oh I kind of write for a long time and it worked out. You know, they had no idea. But, you know, even the relationship now, they don't know how to talk to me about it. And, you know, I can't blame them because you know, like I'm not a mother, you know, I'm not even dating right now, but I can't even imagine how my parents must have felt the day I was born 21 years ago saying like, we just brought a child into the world. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You know? And I definitely don't think that anybody, you know, went up to my parents and was like, Hey, your child's going to drop this bomb on you in 20 years. So be ready. You know? So I no, can't yeah, imagine what sure. that must be like. 
for them, you know, so I don't blame them for not being able to or not really knowing how to start that conversation. And that's something that I do want to address to a a lot of people, especially like if you're a parent, you know, like I think just be as open as possible, you know, because I would like to talk about it, you know, but I want to make sure that it's something that they're comfortable with, you know, and it's just it's it's testy, you know, you really don't ever know what to do in that situation. You just kind of have to go for it. Listen, I have been there before on the side of being a daughter and talking to my parents about things that I would never want anybody to have to go through what I went through and revealing some things to my parents about my past life. However, I can tell you, and I know I can speak for every single parent, especially the ones listening now. I'm a new parent, but but still I'm a parent. And I can absolutely say to you and anybody else, anybody else who finds them in this situation with SSA, the one thing the one thing that will not change is how much we love you. The mm. one thing, it just it brings tears to my eyes. Like that, there's nothing my kids could ever do to change that. I might not like everything. I might not want some of my, my kids to carry some crosses. I'm, I definitely don't want my kids to choose sin willingly, knowingly, but no matter what, like there's nothing there's nothing they could do to make me not love them. I mean, there's absolutely nothing. And I know that every parent on the planet shares that. And so, you know, to you and to anybody else who has, who carries this cross of same-sex attraction, like that cannot be said enough. In my personal opinion as a parent, that cannot be said enough to our kids, no matter what they're going through, no matter what cross they're carrying. Yes, you're right. It might be difficult for us to hear and we might not know what to say. That's true. But that does not at all divide our love. Mm-hmm. So with this, Avera, I mean, as you have come to understand a little bit more of SSA in your own personal life, in your own personal experience, from when you were 16, you're 21 now, and really what God is doing in you, how he's healing you and continues to and continues to have you strive for holiness and for love and compassion. Can you tell us, like, when you were searching about what was going on in your life, and then how did you want to respond according to what you believe as a Catholic? Like, what did you find out? Was there anything that shocked you about what the church said about same-sex attraction and homosexuality that you just weren't clear on before? So I loved learning about theology of the body when I was growing up in high school, and I actually got to hear a lot about theology of the body, you know, growing up at a, at a Catholic high school and just the Catholic church's teachings about homosexuality. They're so beautiful and they're also very, very bold. And I think not a lot of people will see it that way. They'll see it as oppressive and they'll see it as demeaning, but you know, they lift me up to such a high place and to such high standards. You know, I feel like these teachings honestly treat me like a princess. You know, honestly, it holds me to such a high standard. And I love that. You know, it calls me to this heroic sense of chastity, you know, and this it calls it really does call me to be a hero and calls me to be a soldier for Christ in my own right. You know, and I think that or growing up, I kept hearing, you know, the Catholic Church doesn't want you to be happy, or the Catholic Church says that you can't love who you want to love. And this is so false. And I will often talk about how in Genesis, going back to Genesis, 
the devil is so, so good at twisting what God says just enough to make it sound absolutely ridiculous. Yes. You know, and the lie that he is telling the LGBT community as a whole is he's saying, did God really tell you that you can't love who you want to love? And that Mm. is so false. That Mm. is not true. You know, in any sense, you know, God is absolutely calling me to love everyone, you know, and to love in this heroic sense, this self-sacrificial sense. And I'll say this, one of my closest friends in the world who I actually met reading the blog and she followed the blog and we've actually become really good friends. You know, I can't deny that I'm attracted to her. And we've talked about this before. And You know, being that we're both Catholic, we were able to have the conversation of, I want to love you the way that Christ loves you. I want to lay down my life and my desires for your good, you know, because that's what authentic love actually is. You know, it is willing the good of the other person. Amen. And I am able to do that. You know, it's a test every single day. And I'm not about to sit here and deny that it is hard you know, not being able to be with her in that way, but I'm able to be her friend. I'm able to be a sister in Christ to her. I'm able to carry my cross alongside her and help her when she's down and she's able to help me when I'm down, you know? Mm -hmm. So we are able to authentically love each other because of what we believe and because of what the Catholic Church teaches on homosexuality. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't be happy any other way. I feel like that's a big misconception. That's a big myth is that People with same-sex attraction living in the Catholic Church are oppressed and are depressed and are just (laughs) unhappy all the time. I don't know if you've seen my Instagram feed, but I'm smiling all the time. (laughs) My dimples are on display almost all the time. You know, so it's just like I don't see. You know, that argument is just not valid. Right. You know, I am not oppressed. I am not. You know, being tortured. I'm not telling. I'm not being told that I can't love who I want to love. I'm being told that I can love in the highest degree, that I can lay down my life for my friends and the people that I love, you know, and I can be self-sacrificial and I can look like Christ crucified in this beautiful way. So I'm not, you know, I love the Catholic Church's teachings and I wish that I would have known that sooner, you know, and I, you know, want to spend literally the rest of my life telling that to people, telling people that I am able to look like Christ in the most profound way. And I want all of us to be able to do that, no matter if you struggle with same-sex attraction or anything like that. You know, I want us all to look like Christ because that's what he wants. Amen. Okay, so Avera, you have, like we said before, you're very active on Twitter, Instagram. You've got your blog. Once again, I'll keep all of that in the show notes so people can connect with you there. And so there was an article that you wrote, very controversial article, rightfully so, because this has just been all over, still all over the news and social media websites. But you wrote an article directed specifically to Father James Martin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You did it. You put it out there, girl. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So I read it. I thought, I thought you did a great job. I think that you, you. I think that you addressed some specific issues. You didn't try to generalize everything. And I appreciated that because I think anytime, you know, something comes up, I think it's a, it's not a great idea to generalize that 
all these people or all these right. priests or the entire topic was completely oh I mean now I I mean I guess that there are some occasions where that can happen. My first thought is like Planned Parenthood when they say everything we yeah. do is great and I'm like no it's not you know people. <laughs> no. But for the most, the generalized statements are always tricky. And what I appreciated in your article is that you didn't. You called out specifically pieces of his book, Building a Bridge, that did not help you, that do not help people with same-sex attraction, that do not help people who might be actively living a homosexual gay lifestyle. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to throw the ball in your court here. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to write it and really what you addressed in that article for people listening who might have not read it? Yeah. So the article itself, I really wanted to sit down and read the book because it was given to me and I was asked to, you know, kind of give my opinion. I had a lot of people reaching out to me on social media asking me to, hey, can you check out this book? I want to know your thoughts. And my first thing going into the book was I had heard a lot about Father James Martin and I heard that his positions on the teachings of homosexuality and Catholicism were a bit different. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't want to post anything too quickly because I hadn't read the book yet. But as soon as I sat down and read it, there were immediately things that turned me off to the, and to the book and what he was saying. And one of the things that I talked about is he had a habit of saying, LGBTQ people or homosexual people or gay people, lesbian people. And that, you know, even when I was growing up, you know, I felt like that phrasing, it felt comfortable to use because it was what everybody else was using. At the same time, though, it didn't feel right, if that makes any sense. It just didn't feel correct to use. And, you know, I just I'm not a gay person. You know, I want to throw that out there. I am not a gay person. I am a human person. There are only three types of people, divine, angelic, and human. I love that you mentioned that. that, And I don't know if you got this from him or not, Avera, but Jason Everett has Mm -hmm. a great video at chastityproject.com. And Jason and Christina have a fantastic site there with a million and one resources. They're like the go-to people for all things chastity. And theology of the body. I'm obsessed with them. I, I saw them at Seek and I saw you at Seek. I'm they obsessed. are. They're like the cornerstone. <laughs> they have they're, you know, they're the gold standard, Jason yes. and Angelina. <laughs> I mean, hands down, hands down the gold standard. So but and so whenever you wrote that, for me, I was like, ooh, I can hear that. I, I mean, I, I remember I remember hearing it from Jason years ago, and it really helped me too, because he had mentioned there are only three kinds of persons. There's the divine, which we know that is just you know, God, the Trinity, Jesus, there's angelic, you know, and of course, within the angelic, there's the angels. And of course, the demons who fell, they used to be angels. So that's the one group. And then the third group is human. These are the only types of persons. And okay, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but let me let you go on there. But you obviously address this, that you're not a homosexual person. You're just a person. You're a human. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that Father James Martin is kind of missing when he talks about these topics is he's missing the reality of original personhood, which I know is something that John Paul II talks about a lot. And, you know, the human person at its nature is, you know, far more 
than sexual attraction is by sexual experience, you know? So reducing me to my sexual attractions towards women is demeaning and degrading to me, you know? And that, that's, and that's probably my opinion. You know, there's probably not a lot of people who share that. Daniel Matson talks about that in his book, Why I Don't Call Myself Gay. And I resonated with that because I was just thinking there are so many things that people can reduce other people to. And I feel like that's where a lot of, you know, people will let ignorance in really and say like that person is not like me. So I need to be afraid or I need to be scared. That can, you know, people have reduced me to race. You know, being African-American, people feel like they have to be afraid of me. Or on the opposite side of the spectrum, I've had guys ask to sleep with me because I'm black and they want to know what it's like. Oh. You know, like how is oh. like that threw me off so much. I was like, how? What? <laughs> you know, like I laughed about it. Honestly, I was hysterical the whole time when I've heard this. Just like, what do you want? Like, is this supposed to be different? Is it supposed to be like some freak show? <laughs> I don't even know what to, I mean, I've got tears in my eyes hearing that. I can't, I mean, praise God you have went to laughter. I'm sitting here just in, I just, I'm so sad for our humanity that that would even come out of someone's mouth. I mean, it's, it's different. And I feel like if we get trapped in reducing people to their parts or their experiences, then that, you know, that gives them that leeway to be afraid or it gives them that, you know, leeway to be, to make assumptions. Well, and I think know? that that, that type of mentality is really what's happened in our culture. That's over sexualized our culture and yeah. also made sex transacted, transactive. Mm-hmm. Not, or, what am I trying to say? Transactional. That's the word <laughs> I'm trying to say. Transactional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when we re- reduce a person to parts of that person, so let's just say genitalia, you are whatever is emotionally connected to those pieces of your body, uh, this, you know, that reduces that to that place, then you you start to lose the entire wholeness of human dignity. Yeah. And so, but we have over-sexualized, our culture has been over-sexualized for at least, the, at least over 50 years ago, at least is when some things, huge moments began to begin to, to really start that process. And we're really reaping this sad, some people would say benefits, I would say consequences to yeah, an over-sexualized culture when it says that you are what you feel, you are what you, you know, you are, you are what you believe, you are what, who you sleep with, you are who you are attracted to. It's a reduction of human dignity. It's a reduction of the original personhood that John Paul II spoke about that you've also mentioned. And I think another thing that you mentioned in this article, when you are addressing this article to Father James Martin, is this line that you had said, I'm, I'm looking it up right now, and you said that, you said, calling my sexual desires objectively disordered is not needlessly cruel. Can you talk about that? So one of his lines in the book is that he wants the wording of the catechism in regard to sexual attraction reworded, because he says that calling my attraction objectively disordered is unnecessarily cruel. And I don't see why that is because it's talking about the desire. It's not talking about me. I am not disordered. I am not sick. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, this is just something that I live with, you know, and 
what the catechism is saying is disordered is that, you know, God wants order, you know, and order is what will make us happy and will fulfill the human person in regards to the natural law. Anything that goes against that order is disordered, you know, so it's not cruel. It's true. And I think that if we start, you know, trying to be like, I want to say overly compassionate, because I get that this is a very, very sensitive topic and we need to be sensitive when discussing this. But we also can't fall into the trap of watering down the faith in order to fit with people's feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. and in order to because. Another thing that he says in the book is that he wants everyone to acknowledge what people with same sex attraction or gender dysphoria or things like that have experienced in the church. Just the amount of cruelty that they've experienced in the church. Yes, I'm not denying that. You know, I've experienced it. I get it. At the same time, though, feeding me a watered down version of the faith is discriminating against me. You're basically saying to me that I have to be babied or I have to be treated like I have this crippling disease that I can't handle carry the my cross. Exactly. That I can't carry my cross with dignity and grace. Or, you know, you run into the question of, do you really think God does not love me enough to give me the strength to carry this cross? Do you really think that he forgot about me on that cross and didn't give that sacrifice for me? That's what I drew away from that conclusion when he was saying these things. Like Christ gave me this cross because he thinks I'm strong, because he knows me to be able to carry this cross. And he knows that I can carry it and he knows that I can do it. And I'm not about to let anybody convince me otherwise, you know, and that includes myself. You know, so I the one thing that I really want there to be a shift in thinking is saying that people with same-sex attraction are some of the strongest people that the church has ever known. You know, and there are going to be saints in this near, in this age today that dealt with same-sex attraction and overcame it that are going to be mentioned in the same sentence as John Paul II, as Mother Teresa, you know, as Mother Angelica even. You know, so these people are so strong and we need to make sure that they know that because I thought I was so weak and I just, had to succumb to these desires. And I thought that I had to be ruled by them. And I absolutely don't. You know, I am strong enough to carry this cross. And how dare anyone say that I can't, you know, and that is that's the position that I've taken. And that's what has liberated me. You know, I'm not like I said, I'm not oppressed and I'm not upset that I carry this cross, you know, but it can bring me so much closer to holiness. You know, this can elevate me to the heights of holiness, if I decide to carry this cross the way that Christ is asking me to, you know, so I don't want anyone to feel like they have to succumb to their desires or feel like they have to live a certain way in order to be happy because I'm a true testament to there is happiness carrying this cross. There's authentic joy in carrying this cross. And to say otherwise, you know, you're lying to us. I think that that obviously goes for any cross that a person has. Yeah. 
like that is that is the truth. It's like Christ is aware of the crosses we have to carry. Ones that we didn't ask for, maybe ones that we helped put on our back. Either way, no matter what, no matter what the situation is, because there's so many different crosses across, you know, that people have, ones that we have no idea about. And regardless is that the cross is not meant to just be thrown aside. It's meant to be carried with Christ. And I think that you're doing a great job of explaining that and really talking about the courage in doing it and also the freedom in it too. The freedom actually in picking up your cross and walking with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I feel like I, I see a lot of my friends who struggle with SSA in some regard. And I see a lot of people who live the lifestyle. And it's shocking to me how many of them, you know, I'll have them on Snapchat and things like that. How many people every single weekend have to bury themselves at the bottom of the bottle just to deal, just to get by or just to handle the burden, you know, and that comes with so many different crosses, Yeah, it does. you know, and, you know, I don't feel like I have to bury myself all the time. You know, I don't feel like I have to be high all the time to get by. I don't have to feel like I have to be drunk all the time just to get by. You know, and there are definitely things that I struggle with. Absolutely. And I'm not claiming to be perfect, but I'm claiming to be trying. You know, I am absolutely trying to carry this cross to the best of my ability and it's going to get better, you know, but it all comes down to trust. You know, it comes down to whether or not I think that Christ is going to be able to provide me with the graces and the strength that I need to carry the cross and to carry it well. You know, and he calls me to sanctity. So I absolutely know that he's going to give me that grace. He's going to give me that strength. But here's the other key. I have to be willing to ask, you know, and I love that story of the woman in the gospel who's I think her daughter is sick, maybe. And she goes to Christ and she begs him. She or Christ asks her to repeat her request three times. You know, it's three. I think three times she had to say something. And then Christ on the the third time finally said, your faith has saved you. And your daughter is okay. You know, we have to continually ask. You know, it can't just be this one and done thing all the time. You know, and I feel like the minute that we forget to ask or that minute that we stop asking for those graces is the time that we cut ourselves off. Not necessarily that Christ stops giving us those graces or stops providing them for us because he is so present with those graces. You know, it's the fact that we turn our backs to them. You know, and we start trying to do things on our own. And that's not what is going to bring us to the heights of holiness. It's just going to turn us away from them. And those graces can be right in front of us. And we are not going to recognize them if we keep saying that we're going to do this on our own. And it's not possible to do on our own. No, it's not. You're absolutely right. You mentioned in this article to Father James Martin on your blog, which is what we've been kind of talking about, three pieces at the very end. And I'll let just our listeners go and read the article themselves. It's definitely something you want to spend some time with and and to read. But I love that you bring up three points. You talk about how you, you know, instead of kind of like some of the things that he offers in the book, not everything, but some, some of the things that you disagree with, that you instead show me respect, show me compassion, and show me sensitivity. And you go further into those. They're really beautiful. I love what you had to say there. And of course, you you wrap up the article with and I don't know if you knew this, but didn't mention it, or if this was something inspiring you at the very end, but it reminds me of one of my favorite scripture verses. But you said that the saints in heaven fought for holiness while they were here on earth, and what we cannot go to heaven without a fight. And you are speaking hand in hand 
directly to Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew eleven twelve is one of my favorite, favorite pieces of scripture. And it says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and men of violence take it by force. And I love that because it tells us that once again, heaven's not full of couch potatoes, right? I've said this right. so many times. It's people who fought for it. It's for people who, who put to death vice and sin in their life. They put to death those temptations to sin and they became the new man, as Paul tells us, the new man in Christ. And so that is what heaven's about. That's how heaven is made. Heaven is made for people who fought for holiness. And Avera, you are definitely fighting the good fight. A few last things here before we wrap up. What's some advice that you could give to those who struggle with SSA? So, oh man, you know, if I'm looking at myself when I was 16 and the advice that I needed, I think the advice that I needed to be given is be not afraid because I was terrified, you know, when I was, when I was younger and I was, I was so scared because I was dealing with something that was so far out of my control that I did not ask for, you know, and I didn't know why it was hurting me so much. And, you know, I think the biggest piece of advice, I think I've heard maybe Chris Stefanik say this, that Christ said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross so that we wouldn't have to say it on our own? You know, and I feel like seeing Christ crucified like that, seeing him give himself in that way is a testament to what we can do, you know, is a testament to how strong we can be. And, you know, the biggest piece of advice I would say is just don't be scared, you know, because you are strong and you are brave, just like you say all the time. And you are so capable of carrying this cross. That is the only reason why you carry it is because you are strong enough to carry it. You know, I would say, make sure that you have a spiritual director that you are going to spiritual direction often. Make sure that you are not keeping silent. Now is not the time to keep silent. You know, now is the time to speak up and voice what you're feeling, what you're going through. Make sure that you're talking about it with people. You know, don't stay in the closet. The closet is for clothes and clothes alone. (laughs) You know, so do not stay there. (laughs) You know, do not stay there and hide. Okay, you know, See the light of Christ's face and come out and, you know, be okay with who you are as a human being. Be okay with the cross that you've been given. Because, you know, if you're like me, it's not going away anytime soon. Right. Um, You know, but you have to be brave. You know, you absolutely have to be Be brave. brave. And, you know, you have to be saints, you know, because what else is there? Holiness and heaven is the goal and anything else is hell, you know, and that is it. So you have to keep your sights focused on heaven, you know, because as St. Paul says, again, these struggles in this life, what you are dealing with right now, this plague that is same sex attraction, this cross that you were carrying is not to be compared with the joy that is to come. Amen. You know, so don't even get trapped in thinking that this is it because it is absolutely not going to be the end. Good. Now, Avera, what advice could you give for those for those of us who don't have this cross, but know people who struggle with same-sex attraction, what could you tell us of how to reach out? What can we do? So I will say this. My friends have been my saving grace. You know, my friends are some of the most beautiful people. And I keep beautiful people around me because they keep me sane. 
you know, saint, I think like saints travel in packs, you know, so it is so crucial to be open, you know, just open your heart to your friends with SSA. Don't be afraid to have the conversation. I will say this. One of the first people I came out to, she was one of my best friends. The first thing she said to me when I told her about my same sex attraction, she was like, oh, you don't like me, do you? Because I don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. and I said nothing else for two years, mm-hmm. you know, so I mean, it terrified me, you know, and it is a very valid fear and it is a very real fear that these people have, you know, so be open, you know, be compassionate and, you know, just don't be afraid to come across as a bigot or a homophobe, because I think one of the other things that we have to realize is that just because we don't agree with someone doesn't mean we hate them. And, you know, that's a mindset that we all have to kind of get a hold of. And right. Uh, right. Disagreement is just disagreement. It, it, Absolutely. Not, it does not <laughs> go to the center core of a human person saying, I hate you and everything about you. And I wish you were not, would not exist by absolutely. every stretch of the imagination. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But I think that because mm-hmm. especially with these topics, they're so emotionally charged and obviously they are dealing with. They're actually dealing with passions, emotions. I mean, so it, that's not, mm-hmm. of course, that they're going to be more emotionally charged than how we feel about cucumbers or, you know, yeah. cooking. I mean, seriously, because we're not talking about another human person. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you're, when you're talking about how one person interacts with another person, it's going to be emotionally charged and invested. And so we think that if somebody disagrees, it means that they literally hate that person. And I think no, you're right. It's got to, we have to have a little bit more open and honest dialogue and set the foundation of let's talk about these topics and these conversations, not on this personal attack basis, but on what we're doing. And, I, you know, in my opinion, the one thing I can maybe add to this is what I have found to help me is to continue to ask questions. Is yeah, that when someone is talking to me, when someone's talking to me about something that they're going through that I personally don't carry that cross, I don't have. Mm-hmm. That's not the cross that God's given me on a variety of different issues. There are plenty of examples I have in my mind right now. All I know to do right now at this point, I'm going to ask questions. I want to know more yeah, about how they're absolutely. feeling, what they're going through, how they feel. And I'm asking questions because I'm trying to gain information. I'm trying to gain an understanding. I'm trying to gain some empathy. I am trying to gain more knowledge. I just need more information because I need to understand that person better. And I know that whenever we do ask questions to people, and we ask more questions about how they feel or how they think, it allows them to feel heard. It allows them to have a sense that we care about what yeah. they think and what they're going through. And I think that would really help out a lot too in these situations. All right. I so St. Thomas too, one of my, this is one of my favorite gospel passages is when Thomas is, is seeing Jesus again in the upper room for the first time, you know? And I think the other thing that needs to happen in this conversation is be vulnerable with us, you know, be vulnerable with us back because the only way that St. Thomas recognized Christ in that moment in the upper room is when Christ said, touch my wounds, put your hands where the nails have been, you know, look at my side, touch my side. That is the only way that Thomas was able to say my Lord and my God. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the only way that you're going to be able to, you know, break open some of those barriers that some of us have is by breaking down your own with us. You know, don't be afraid to be vulnerable with us, because I think having those intimate conversations 
you know, not being afraid to let people beyond that veil, let people inside my Holy of Holies. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I think it's so important for us to be open and to be, you know, just be courageous enough to show other people our wounds, because that's the only way that we're going to be able to recognize Christ and other people and to recognize their original personhood and see who they are as people, you know, by just letting, just opening up, you know, and letting everybody see all those scars and all of those wounds that we try to hide. You know, we cannot be lepers in long sleeves, you know, right now, if we're trying to open people up, you know, we have to be able to show our wounds, you know, let God heal them through those conversations. Right. And keep that conversation open. I absolutely agree. Yeah. What are some, okay, a few last things before we, before we wrap up. Can you offer from your personal opinion, what has helped you support resources, anything available that has helped you in this journey and what has continued to help you? What are some things that you could offer to others? So anyone that has courage in their archdiocese, the apostolic courage, I encourage you to attend these meetings. You know, for those of you with SSA, for those of you with maybe children that have SSA or maybe with friends that struggle with it or that live with it, encourage is the apostolate for you where we talk about, you know, just being able or figuring out ways to support our brothers and sisters or our children with same-sex attractions. So the courage apostolate is absolutely beautiful. I don't know where I would be without it today. So I'm so thankful for courage and all that they do. One book that I would recommend that you read is Why I Don't Call Myself Gay by Mr. Daniel Matson. Incredible read by an incredible man who has struggled with SSA for, I think, the majority of his life. And I think it gets to the root of, you know, the person, you know, and he tells so much of his story. And, you know, he I think basically the premise of the book is he's, again, talking to maybe his younger self and, you know, just saying, this is what I needed to hear when I was younger and absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, it is if you good. have not watched the documentary The Third Way, you absolutely should. It is a phenomenal documentary. You know, it deep dives into people's lives that different people's lives who struggled with same sex attraction in one way or another. Absolutely profound. I think it features uh, Father Mike Schmitz is in it. Father Jason Jason Everett is in it. Chris Stefanik is in it. Matt Fred, I think maybe. No, he's not. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. But um, it's okay. uh, We'll just throw Matt's name in there anyway. Matt's a great guy. (laughs) He is. He is. He's awesome. I passed by him at seek and had a complete like freak out no words came out of my mouth i just saw him and we like walked by each other and it's just <laughs> it was so great so hello matt if you're listening to this now i'm finally able to like you know admit words from my mouth uh, <laughs> and finally the desire of the everlasting hills documentary is one of the things that was a huge turning point for me and two of the people in that documentary one including daniel matson have become amazing friends of mine and they just are very open. It's very raw and they tell their stories and, you know, it's just, it's beautiful and it is, you know, it's powerful to just see how open and how raw they are with their stories. So I encourage all of you to check those out. Okay. So that's a very long list of resources. I will include all of that in the show notes (laughs) from Avera's blog. Avera, you have a new book coming out at the end of 2017 called Experience Me. We did not get a chance to talk about that, but 
I will make sure that that book is linked up in the show notes and you can check out that. And that book, as you had mentioned to me earlier, is basically nine letters to your past self. These nine questions you had when you were about 16 years old and you are now giving the answers to your past self. So helping out anybody who is in that place in their life, regardless of age, that's a great book for you to take a look at. I'll list all of the resources that we've talked about here from the blog to Daniel's book, Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, to what the Catechism says, which is in 2357. It starts there. I'll even make a link to that. The Courage website, the Encourage website, the documentaries, The Third Way, and The Desire of the Everlasting Hills. So we will have all of that for you, for you to have and for you to access. So as we wrap up this podcast episode, Avera, I'm going to ask you five things. These are my five things, okay? So five things. Oh, these are the five things of Avera. And all right. So the number one, number one, you cannot name the Bible. So number one, <laughs> um, what is your favorite book? Oh, man. Okay. First one I can think of like off the top of my head, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Okay. That was right. my favorite book as a kid. It got me to start reading and I have not stopped since then. Absolutely loved it. Okay. I love it. That's great. (laughs) So number two, in the very, 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 very far, since you're so young, distant future, (laughs) you die and you go to heaven. Right. All right. So you are in front of Jesus. What would you like to hear from him? The first words out of his mouth to you. Oh, my goodness. Probably just you are so good and you have done very good. Very good. That would I like be that. It. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Very good. Okay. And the third one, the third, third question is, all right, what are you not very good at? I am not very good at taking criticism. <laughs> That's just very real. I tend to <laughs> okay. turn up myself and run and hide and maybe cry a little bit. You never know. That's, you know, <laughs> not always the case. But, you know, I'm just, I'm very sensitive. So <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I'm trying to get better, though. Perfect. Okay. Hey, that, that all we want is honest. So that's great. Okay. So <laughs> number four, Avera. These are Avera's five things. Number four, on a scale of one to 10, one being the least, 10 being the utmost, how weird are you? 10. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm the weirdest person ever. You have a conversation with me on social media. I guarantee you, I will show you that I'm the weirdest human being ever. I think that's what makes me so approachable. Just come up to me. And hugs are not even an option. Like, you have to hug me. That's it. Okay. <laughs> no okay. So you're my, you're my level 10 weirdo. Okay, sounds good. And then the last question here, number five of Eris, five things. Number five, if you could be anything, if you could do anything, be anything, except for what you're doing right now. What would that be? I would be an actress. I want, I've always wanted to do movies when I was younger. So I would love to be in a movie or two or 10, whichever one. What genre would you go for? Probably fantasy. I love just the idea of being able to go outside of the real world. I think some of like my favorite films, Harry Potter, you know, and things like that. So I would love to do like fantasy things like that. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. And the very last thing we have for you, we we wrapped up our five things here. The very last thing is, 
what challenge can you, I mean, we talked a lot. We've talked a lot about a lot of key stuff and you've given amazing, amazing resources and, and thank you for opening up your heart to everything and to me and, and to our listeners about the topic of same-sex attraction, about your experience and, and you experiencing same-sex attraction and you carrying that cross with Christ. So what challenge can you give our listeners today? My challenge, I think, is something I actually wish I would have done a little while ago, is never be afraid to defend the Catholic Church's teachings on homosexuality. I know like, it's very concerning that we could come off like bigots or as homophobes, but I'll never forget, and this was so this was so life changing for me. I was in confession once, and a priest straight up told me that acting on my same sex attractions was okay, and I was stunned. You know, I was shaken and I was frazzled, and I had no clue what to do. And you know, I walked away. You know, I actually walked out of mass actually and went somewhere else. You know, and I wish I would have defended the faith to him. Because I don't think we realize just how powerful it is to hear from someone that struggles with same-sex attraction or otherwise, just defending the faith, you know, especially a young person, you know? So I would say if I could go back to that day, I would simply have told this priest my story and said, I am okay and I love the Catholic Church's teachings and I feel like you should give this some more thought. You know, and I wish I would have been able to defend the Catholic Church's teachings. So if I could give like that one challenge, never be afraid to defend the Catholic Church's teachings on anything because she is all that is good and she is all that is true and she is all that is beautiful and deserves to be defended by those who love her. Amen. Amen. Avera, thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your struggles and being honest and sincere with us. We really appreciate it. And these conversations and making progress on talking about same-sex attraction and making progress of reaching out and encouraging others and making progress of people who, of those who struggle with same-sex attraction, the courage to live with that cross can only really happen if we continue to preach love and compassion and truth like you have done and like you encourage us to do. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk to you and to listen to your heart today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. You got it, girl. All right. Okay. Thank you again. I mean, and I know, listen, I know, I know I say this, but I want you to really, real. I want you to know, you just got to realize I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you listen to this podcast. I'm so thankful for your support. Thank you for going on iTunes, giving me those five stars and those great reviews and being honest about it. It's great. I really appreciate it. If you haven't done it, if you get a second, I know you got a million things to do, but if you do get a second, I would really appreciate it. It'd be wonderful so that the podcast can, uh, move up the ranks of visibility so that more people can be inspired by the great guests that I have on here. Thank you so much for your love of the podcast. Thank you so much for for listening to Avera today. And remember, whatever you do, make sure you do something beautiful for the Lord. God love you and God bless. 